Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. some trouble i'm up for that unconventional what did you do when you went outside i went to work beep beep i went to work beep beep uncompromising you understand me now you understand me now experience the phenomenal character driven series that redefined drama you'll be an old man by the time you get out subwitz he's a unique well you're gonna learn about some consequences where do you think that anxiety is coming from? Spain. But a good detective? Yeah. Oh, there you have it. Here we go. Just wait. Right, let's go. Just wait. It's not enough. Down. Let's go. Let's go. NYPD Blue. Weeknights 1, 12 Central. Right here on H&I. And welcoming to the show. Not Captain Kirk Asher and Kyle Asher. <laughs> 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 we do we do do that to Kyle sometimes. <laughs> thanks, to, thanks, to, thanks to South Park. Thanks to South Park. Uh, yeah, I've been getting that my whole life. I, I don't mind it. It could be worse. <laughs> and I get, Cap- <laughs> I get Captain Kirk from anyone over the age of 40. So it's pretty, <laughs> pretty great. Oh, God. So speaking of South Park, we're talking about another controversial show. We are talking about... <laughs> David Milks and Steven Bosco's NYPD Blue. <laughs> so I just did a curve there. Um, so, so what got you guys into edgy action crime mystery drama shows? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to speak exactly for Kyle, but I will right now. Uh, when <laughs> when when we were when we were younger, I think our our dad started watching NYPD Blue when we were. Not super young, but w- too young to really should be watching it. Um, and so it was kind of on. That was the same. Yeah. Reruns it, it would on. be on Court TV before it was True TV. I'm like, wow. I thought Comedy Central was the only one playing, you know, uncut, not free, safe air. I just heard all kinds of language. <laughs> yeah. And, and content. Yeah, I think we, it was kind of just on in the background and then when we got older and it got to streaming services and I think I was buying the DVDs for our father that when we started watching it seriously, kind of just appreciating it. I know Kyle, you got into Deadwood pretty hard, right? Yeah. yeah. So I got into, I got into Deadwood before NYPD blue. And then randomly, I think I was talking to our dad about the show. And then I was like, Oh yeah, this guy, David Milch is a part of it. And he's like, Oh, that's the same guy who was a part of NYPD blue. And then, yeah, I like like my brother. I mean, 
it was always on in the background growing up. I don't remember episodes from then, but I just remember like it being on. (laughs) (laughs) All that fancy music and and all kinds of people have been on it. It was like, it's basically, you can spot a future, the practice or breaking bad casting call. There's every once in a while, a Star Trek or law and order actor. (laughs) Parks and Rec. Early, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so glad when you guys mentioned the Adam Scott one, and I, I showed that to my sister. I'm like, Oh my god, does he age in the same reaction as you guys? I'm like, Yeah, I don't think he ages. I, I think <laughs> I just watched the episode that had Octavia Spencer in it, <laughs> like that like was great. Had, she's on another yeah. Bosco show later on, raising the bar, where she's like the bailiff and. She, it's just so cool seeing her on that versus this because, like, yeah. in both appearances on both these shows, she's like is able to mix in like some persona and some off color kind of comedy without even saying much. And it's like that, that's a, that's some great talent. I can totally see why she was a future, you know, award winner. <laughs> just, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's like, I think when, uh, when, when we talk about it, that's one thing we always notice, like, in certain scenes, like those actors that did go on to do bigger things when they were in those scenes, you were like, wow, like they drove that scene at such a young age or at such a beginning part of their career. Like it was interesting to watch. A thousand percent. Yeah. There, there was a runner, there was a runner with Anna Gunn where mm-hmm. like early, early season and we're just like, holy crap. Like yeah. that was a long time ago. <laughs> and Anna Gunn is holding up not a very large part, but it's very important to what's happening. Cause I remember she was kind of in a, a not an informant, but she was involved in the case with John Kelly and, um yeah not john kelly uh shoot i'm missing yeah john kelly john kelly then john clark john clark's at the end john kelly's at the beginning yeah um, it's it's an interesting transition but yeah I, it was cool seeing <laughs> yeah. her on this in the practice and then you know I, I finally saw dead with this year it was one of those i meant to always see it in college but instead i was watching this in sopranos and <laughs> still got had my share of edgy tv along with the wire and uh the shield and 24 and so it's like yeah that this this all rang together it's like i'm watching as much edgy shit as i can watch that is still very emotionally and thrillingly rewarding and like you say it's it was always kind of just one of those you just stumble onto it and you're just like oh okay you know? <laughs> I, I to go to go to go back to your question because you said like what well, what gets you into edgier drama shows i think what happened is uh because Kyle and I, I don't want to, once again, speaking for him, um, we're, I think we're both fans of like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, South yes. Park. <laughs> um, pretty, pretty like, because some episodes of Sunny are not allowed on Hulu anymore, like pretty edgy, controversial stuff. But we, I, we would watch our dramas like uh, Breaking Bad and, and The Wire and Kyle Love Deadwood and stuff. But I think we also really enjoy comedy, and that's something that happens in NYPD Blue kind of subtly a lot. There's a lot of really funny, sarcastic humor amongst these characters that kind of gets lost in people remembering like, oh, well, there was a lot of side boob and man ass and a lot of racial slurs. It's like, yeah, but there's also a lot of really funny, sarcastic jokes underneath all that. Oh, totally. just Just go right past. And I see other people who gave it up after either Caruso or Jimmy Smith's left. And I was like, for real? I mean, there's so much other <laughs> stuff in this. Like, I, I think most people who did see it all the way through did appreciate it. But there were some who just, for whatever reason, they, they were just like David Notes loyalists. They're like, oh, he left, so it has no more edge. I'm like, well, there's all these, like, seven other writers who are also 
picking up the yeah. slack and doing the story. So way to shit on them, dude. I mean, Matt Homestead, <laughs> who works in the Botchko factory for a while. And well, what do you know? He's part of the one Chicago, you know, Dick Wolf universe now. So it's just like, and uh, I, I just find it even funnier how uh, some of these guys end up appearing in other franchises like the closer as well as Bosch. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, you've talked about some of it already, but it's, it is interesting. It's like, I think this was their training. And I even went through homicide re- recently. I'd always seen parts of it through the law and order spinoffs, but I didn't, you know, it just wasn't on TV all that much. By the time you got to the two thousands, you had to buy the expensive DVDs. And it's just so funny how they remastered it for shout factory. And uh, I, I got into a predicament. I'm like, do I find this edgier or do I still think blue is the OG? And it's like, cause you know, this came after homicide, but it's just hard. It's just like, it's two parts of the same coin for me. <laughs> like, cause that one is just really good at having interrogations and, uh, just, you know, again, you got John Munch, you know, was later on SVU and he's just fucking hysterical. But yeah, like Blue is even better at just doing kind of what even later shows like uh, Longmire and The Closer do, where just like you got the whole just blunt energy and you instantly know what's on everyone's mind before they even walk in the room and get told to get out, you know? And yeah. Like you guys say, it is like it's able to do a lot of these cliches without making it be a really atrocious soap opera. Like they're just so good at just mm-hmm. being very natural and in the moment. And I mean, same thing with Deadwood, you know, where it's like that could have easily been a, you know, who's who Western town, come on down to Western town. And they, it's like the anti-Western where it's just like you are seeing just how everyone is lacking in empathy and diseased with smallpox and, you know, it's how ironic that all these, you know, guns for punishment and hard asses, essentially the only time they come together is when a kid is, you know, injured. And, you know. Yeah. It's and the it's, best though. Like, I don't know. It's just something <laughs> it's about the it. best. It's, it's the like, best. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. like thinking, just thinking about like, but the, I think it's also like the story that they made too. Like, especially those beginning seasons of blue. Like yeah, they ditched the saxophone yeah. after a while and actually kind of go for just like some just even more hard hitting music and it, it what themes you can get from Mike Post's albums that he scores for various songs are worth it. But it's like yeah, I wish there was a complete soundtrack to this because this just gets me in a mood like to go jogging yeah. around the block, <laughs> even though I'm not in anywhere close to a New York type city. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. You talk about the uh, the music. I always find it funny, and we don't talk about it on our podcast enough. Is just how funny some of those transitions music were. They like because they always tried to have it have like the same kind of feel, but then <laughs> but but then randomly an episode will begin and it's like straight up like techno, where just like all of a sudden like computer beats and. Yeah, and I'm like, what? And then it'll cut in with the random footage of New York, and it was like, well, I guess they just wanted to be a little different on that one. They have to make a hundred episodes, so might as well. I think uh, they were being cute after a while, and then after a while, it's like <laughs> uh, that. My only issue is like when. Don't get me wrong, Danny Lux is a pretty good music composer in his own right. He's done Boston Legal and a bunch of other stuff, uh, but the, there are sometimes in later seasons. It's a small blemish, but it's like. Sometimes they'll start and end pretty rapidly, and you're like, "Whoa, I'm, I, that was a pretty rough sound thing." Did no one get the cue that you know they didn't have enough B-roll of New York before cutting to the next scene? <laughs> well, 
Well, that, that was something that comes up with NYPD Blue, basically with anything that was made before HD rewatchable stuff where at no point did they think when making the second season of NYPD Blue that people would be rewatching it in their homes no. on repeat. So like random stuff that you're like, oh, that'll just go by the wayside. No one will pay attention. It's like, well, yeah. no. I mean, when I'm watching it on uh, Hulu for the third time this week, like I'm gonna notice that you didn't take the time to make sure that what was actually correct. Like, it is just, it's funny. Um, I remember, especially in the last few yeah. seasons where you're just noticing is like <laughs> that the, all that stock footage is like it's not anywhere close to being shot in the same footage as the new footage. So you just gotta say, no. okay, this is their final year? It's still a pretty kick-ass show. But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually watching the final year right now, and that whole year is based on a soundstage. Or a back lot. lot. That's all it is. Yeah, and it's not a real city street anymore. No, well, they knew they knew it was going to end by that point, right? It wasn't that kind of like I think they did get something from the network, and they were caving to the pressure of just more, you know, FCC fines, and it it got to where. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Well, yeah, the only thing I I definitely remember because when I found this out, I was like, that makes sense. They interviewed. Uh, I think it was Dennis Franz and they asked him like I want to say season four or five like how long do you think this is gonna go and his response was like 12 is good like it wasn't even <laughs> like I, it wasn't even like I'll be done at 12 it was just like 12 is good and I think they got to 12 and we're like this is as good as we're gonna get so <laughs> let's just let's well, just no, ride started, off into the night it started dropping off in viewership like heavily a little bit mm-hmm. um and, and I mean, like, and also, and better shows, and other newer shows started coming out. So you know, it just like all think all good things end. You know, <laughs> it oh, also totally. lost that it lost the Zach Morris factor because we were all <laughs> super super stoked to have Zach attack on on NYPD Blue, but after four years, we we're like, oh, it's good, we're good. <laughs> it is interesting how yeah, it's like just the most unusual guys always playing the partners. You got. Future Kyle Rittenhouse, Baylor, you know, uh, Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> uh, I'll, be honest with you. I'll be honest with you, Cam. I was like, because I don't know, like we met today. I don't know your politics. I don't know how you feel. But I was like, God, I hope he doesn't like Ricky Schroeder like we don't. Because it's fun to shit on that guy lately. Like, and and he's <laughs> a good actor. But don't get me wrong. It, it, it does seem like recently i have heard how he's been like arrested like supermarkets for like being a dick to like people in public so i don't know it's it's another <laughs> like just say kind of like with various music artists you know separate the artist from the talent but it's like damn it is hard <laughs> regardless yeah, of the yeah. side of the oyster you're on just because like you'll always have that you'll always have someone who's just like misbehaving on set and i mean you guys talked about it enough with caruso where it's like i would always hear cool stuff about him and then like he was like every actor who like worked with him was like, oh, he's he's intense, he's great. Like, but then there's other people who's like, yeah, God, I could not get him to say that fucking line. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, I how we, with oh, yeah. Caruso, I just I just love the balls of like you have one good year on a TV show and you're like, I should have movies now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, yeah, it's just, that's a, it's just crazy. Like it's like it's just. And a I thought he was time, decent actor because, like, my intro to him was seeing the first Rambo, and it's like, okay, so he's played cops for years. He's in Proof of Life with Russell Crowe as a 
cocky mercenary and then he's just been in a bunch of other tv made for video movies that as in addition to his big you know epic fail in 95 and this like what what was happening was he really just that impossible and he just had to take a step back but yeah i mean he did another show called michael hayes and i can't ever find any clips of that that aren't aren't in german and i mean csi <laughs> miami was a whole different oyster <laughs> where it's just like okay so he's doing his whole <laughs> miami vice you know <laughs> take yeah. but for csi <laughs> yeah. i mean we we did not give dave caruso <laughs> we didn't give him a fair treatment i'll say that like we went no, through the whole. But it was pretty funny how, <laughs> how you went around on the podcast because you're, you're talking about also how you, you, you're. It's just impossible to not notice. It's like, yeah, I can tell they were sick of him around there versus here, and you know, it's it also he was so good. But he was so good in that first season too. Oh yeah, like that's what's also, like, that's what's also somewhat frustrating. I mean, it, it, you would never have you would never have Bobby Simone if it wasn't. And for what him a way to go out on! You hire a half yeah. lawyer played by uh, what's his name, uh, uh, who's just. Uh, who was also difficult apparently to work with Bochco said I, he would invite him. And he was one of those, he was like kind of a method actor. He wanted to be in the zone, but he wanted to spend time in his own place, taking a dump or something. He's like, no, we're going to fly out here. And you know, James Sinclair character played by. Yeah. 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 He's like, no, you're going to come here and you're going to go with the hotel we've given you. And you're going to stop being a crybaby. (laughs) (laughs) Same kind of deal. And that's why his appearances are also spread out. I guess. He learned his lesson. Uh oh, people know I'm being difficult. I better well, play ball. Because <laughs> I I read the I read the book um, True Blue written by I think it was Milch and uh, Bill Clark, the guy who was yes. a consultant. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it was great because they're talking about Caruso, and I guess he only had one outburst in front of um, Dennis Franz, who then had a private conversation with him, and then he never did it on Dennis Franz's time again. So it makes so so it like so it so it makes makes me think like man if only they were a little bit harder on him like hey we get it like this show is gonna do well you're gonna do well but just tighten up so that we can make more seasons of this but instead he's like I'm gonna go fly away and we're like cool we'll bring in Jimmy Smiths we'll still be awesome we'll still crack out like great episodes of the show but. I think I always feel bad because it's like we going into the podcast, we knew that we knew he was going to leave like unceremoniously mm-hmm. and and bring in like my one of my favorite characters, uh, Bobby Simone. So I was like, I just want to get rid of you so I can get to those happy times. <laughs> the best of most. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> like, the same way. I'm exactly the same way with uh, I think it is like prison break where it's like I just forward to the actual prison breakage now now that I've seen it all. Same thing with 24. It's like I don't want to deal with uh, Kim Bauer. So guess what? I'm doing my own <laughs> fan edit where we're going to skip those five minutes of her saying, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, any Leroy Jenkins moments. Not nah, appreciated. Just get get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Just just want to get to the good stuff. Kirk may not remember this growing up because he was younger, but I I vividly remember like our household being a Bobby Simone household. Really sweet. I remember like I remember when my parents would talk about NYPD Blue, like, and you would be like, oh, but like because I remember when CSI Miami started to get popular, and I mentioned like, oh, wasn't that guy like on Blue? And like I remember my mom being like. Only for a year, and then uh, so, and then Sipwitz and Simone uh, were ran for a while or something like that. 
like something. Yeah. And I was just like, but like the hatred for Caruso's character, it lives in some people who like watched it then, you know, like it's really interesting. And I just vaguely remember both of my parents being a, a Simone household for sure. For yeah, sure. It, it's wild how everyone basically had, I, I call it the three different shades of Bochco. It's like, if you weren't watching Doogie Howser or NYPD, then, you know, my mother was more of the Hill Street, you know, blues. Yeah. Lot, and my father saw a bunch of LA law and then, you know, gave it up after like what season three or five was like this getting old. <laughs> it's just so funny how we see, yeah, all the actors and just newer stuff. Now we're always just joking. It's like, Oh, but what about their heartthrob, you know, you know, role that really moralized them in the world of TV. And like, like you say, it is like, I would always see parts of this modified for TNT and you guys brought up some great points and I had no idea. I was like, I, that Amazon had the DVD versions while Hulu sometimes would play mm-hmm. like the TNT safe to air reruns. And I was like, wow. Okay. So I wondered why some episodes were shorter, but I, you know, and I, Amazon eventually took, took it off. So I had to finish it on uh, Hulu uh, a few years back. And it was interesting too. Cause like, like you guys said, like this show is just blooming back and forth in terms of popularity. I, I introduced a, I was at a crappy airport job and I introduced a coworker to episodes they hadn't seen and they were really digging it. Uh, but uh, H and I here was an icon TV is currently still, I think on occasion replaying it. I don't think so much now post BLM. I think they wanted to change it up a bit or yeah. have it be on a later <laughs> day, but uh, I, I still appreciate what they do. They play all kinds of obscure shows like Nash Bridges and the pretender to all the star tracks. And it's just cool and how they remaster it. And they were kind of doing exactly this is like they were playing more what you can play on cable TV now, but they would still, you know, censor out some of the language or censor the middle fingers and nudity, but it's like, okay, but still, you know, this is, was always kind of a PG 15 show. I never thought it was R rated. And at the same time, it wasn't exactly PG 13. So it's that, it's that well, you know, <laughs> divine predicting cable TV is like, well, you choose what you want to watch in your household, but it's not for, like you say, it, that, that you've illustrated all perfectly on your podcast on how this is a show kind of just showing office politics. And it's just so ironic because <laughs> the show itself is totally about office politics. You've got lieutenants and captains who do not respect each other. Uh, I, I even appreciate it even more seeing uh, Lana Perilla from 24 and once upon a time here as a officer who's kind female officer, who's kind of got some, uh, bigotry in her department and she's being judged based on her merits as a woman i i, I really lit up when i saw then unknown martial artist uh, michael j white as fancy's younger brother mm-hmm. and uh-huh. you guys illustrated it how he's basically reassigned by his shitty sergeant and fancy's like how would i either embarrass you or you resign take it <laughs> and yeah it, it, it's yeah, it's great it it what's insane about the show because i'll say two things because you mentioned two things that are like i have very different thoughts on one it's one thing that kind of sucks about nypd blue is it, it's so good like i think it's you can't really deny how good it is if you sit down and watch it i've but seen people try and you're just like ah, don't you <laughs> do that don't you try. yeah they're, i mean they're, they're wrong i mean we could say <laughs> <laughs> they are sadly mistaken <laughs> um but but like it has an archiving problem because when shows buy it now, it seems they can only get the syndication edits, which is what the big problem is because 
they'll take an episode that was an hour and a half long when it aired and they're like this needs to be 45 minutes with the other shows so they'll yes. cut out a lot of stuff and like the biggest example um well the two biggest examples are hearts and souls which is the final episode of bobby simone which if you watch the syndication edit basically no one in that department cares that he's dying it's just Sipowitz. Ah. it's just it's just his wife like they don't even talk to metavoy or martinez or kirkendall illogical and, <laughs> So, yeah. so oh, 100%. 100%. I it's can understand like, oh. cutting out the Greg Matavoy scenes because, like, you guys, I, it, you got a tolerance factor, and there are just some days where you're just like, get laid, Greg. Get laid. Get out of here. Get out of here, please. Um, but that, cre that creates this issue where if you want to watch NYPD Blue the way it was, you have to get the DVDs. And I, I, we have a listener from Australia who's like, we just don't have them. Like, we cannot get them. I have to pirate them. Pirate. I always say it weird. I have to pirate them. Um, and when I do, sometimes I don't get the right ones. They're like mirror or whatever. But if you watch it on Hulu, sure, it looks great in high definition. And it's suddenly in letterbox. But you're missing out on a lot of good stuff. <laughs> you're missing yeah. out on a lot of the things that make the show great. So it, it just sucks that it needs enough support to get the nerds to be like, no, you need to archive this right. You need to put the full version up. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Hulu's, you know, co-owned by Fox and Universal. So it's like, yeah, so they're definitely going to the ABC vault. But yeah, uh, when, when I got to like, I think post season four on Prime, it got very annoying. The resolution I was seeing, I'm just seeing too mm -hmm. much full screen resolution. I'm just like, uh, damn it. Because this is also the, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Also the audio, like sometimes I'll break yeah. out the DVDs. I'll break out the DVDs to play. And it's like, man, the audio is horrible. Like, I can't under understand what anyone's saying. <laughs> and the oh, music no. is w mixed so weird. It's, but, especially yeah. when it's out outside scenes in New York City. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's like a sign of the technology and the time. Uh, like, okay, so you're getting some similar stuff to like, Hulu yeah, also has seen like, elsewhere on there. And it's funny because once in a while you'll see kind of a tracking blurb pop up on the screen <laughs> or just something clearly showing that the tape's been played too many times and it's like hmm funny is like that's just the uh, twilight zone same way on paramount plus oh yeah back when it was cbs i tried it out and it was interesting seeing it's like okay this one's clearly been copied to a vi digital videotape form one too many times and these i can buy that this is an hd tv presentation of an old you know broadcast but it depended because as another show is like there's some episodes they will not release just because i don't know they just were too freaky <laughs> to certain people and think on a thing bad. here is like it's like this was at the height and it's just they they were on a roll and then i guess after season four is like you could only get it on like apple to buy or mm -hmm. rent and like you say it's just that the dvd sales were low even though the audience was there and it's like well the longer you wait and finally shout factory coughed up the rest but it's like that's ridiculous it really is <laughs> it's like if there's an audience you release everything you will always have a second stage of you know fans <laughs> yeah and the, the the other thing that i wanted to touch on because you talked about kind of the controversy of the show and like inner office politics and i don't know if kyle would agree but now in a post blm uh, camera phone world and uh, I, I wish I remembered the name there was a guy who he, I don't know if he listened to our show but he did he did tweet about our show once who he was like a guy writing reviews for 
NYPD Blue when it was coming out on like message boards in the early 90s. Oh, sweet. And he became and he became a writer for I think like Rolling Stone or somewhere, like a, a TV critic. That and he sense. and he wrote an article a couple of like I want to say a year or two ago about how NYPD Blue is hard to watch now in a PC conscious world because NYPD Blue always has this attitude of look the cops they're rough around the edges maybe they don't say the right thing or do the right thing but they always get the right guy but it's like that's not the truth <laughs> like that's like, not even that's what a... the show is even <laughs> implying it's implying that okay everyone's gonna have various consequences here and there <laughs> and it was it it gets kind of and we we have our run-ins with uh folks who are very supportive of the police which they are allowed to be uh but we we have run-ins on certain comments on the show where it's like they just we just hate on cops and we're anti this and it's like no 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 the thing the thing i'll push back against that is i don't (laughs) think we've ever been unsupportive of police no no Um, no I, I, if, if, if being, if, if as a society, we deemed being a cop a job and people have to do it, I want to support them the best way possible. I want everyone to be alive. I don't want anyone to lose life, but like the way, the way I view it, no one else's opinion here, but mine, the way we, we are doing policing, there's something wrong. And we just like to challenge that every now and then and just like to think about it. Cause That's there's all. moments yeah, there's moments at NYPD Blue where they'll be like, yeah, we can get the warrant or we can just go. Like that happens so many times in yeah. episodes where, where they're just like, we could do it the right way. And I mean, there's we, even that yeah. book called NYPD Blue Lies. And it's like, I've been meaning to read that one for a while. But I mean, mm-hmm. I I think I, it was already a good enough that I saw a BuzzFeed uh, one, I think of circa 2016. And it was just showing basically, yes, I mean, it goes back to the whole, just like how much racism is systematic. Those who grow up elite, you know, hate people believe beneath them. Those who grow up in like the hood basically fear any elites or any kind of authority figure. And it's the yeah, same kind of deal here where it's just like, okay, well, yes, we need police, but they need to do it the right way. And at the same time, you know, it, those who don't want to better themselves, they're going to get caught and probably fired or prosecuted and then you know put back on the job and not corrected (laughs) and it's interesting how like you say yeah i i encountered that in a few of the groups including other great shows like line of duty and bosch i I had one where just like you know line of duty is basically the internal affairs in britain showing what a police state it is and is like they every once in a while you get someone say oh that's the show so anti-cop I'm like no it's just showing a political turmoil that's what it's showing but same deal with yeah bosh i saw some people saying oh that's one of the few cop shows that's not woke i'm like what the fuck does that even mean (laughs) (laughs) it's showing progressive and corruption in the la district attorney's office which again is also kind of a harsh reality but yeah like you say it's like anytime you it's like people are just, again, they're the Star Wars generation. They think everything is black and white, you know, good versus evil. It's that easy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, what? that's why yeah. it's awesome. I was, it's I was, the gray yeah. area. What, what color yeah, lightsaber does the cop have is the, is the biggest question. Yeah. Like, is the cop is the cop's lightsaber green or red? <laughs> right. I, I, I think that's Purple why. Purple or the, blue. Yeah. And <laughs> it might as well be blue since it's about. <laughs> but yeah i mean even 
hell, I even think, Star Trek was on the, the same time, and it in Babylon Five. I mean, basically space cops on space stations. You know, it's like, but it's like it's just the format. People can't get past the format, so they just want to just act like everything is that mundane. When it's like, no, your head is up your ass. Please go take take. <laughs> Kyle, what was I, think, say? I, I think I think that's why the show like I think that's why this show uh kind of holds on and is able to still be played years later because a lot of the things that come up in the show are still like prevalent to what's going on now and like that's you did say yeah and like you were saying it isn't black and white at the end of some episodes there isn't this like perfect ending where like the cop admits he's wrong or the per- other person admits they're wrong is there's this ending where they're both still admitting that the other one's wrong and we just move on to the next day. <laughs> and like, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, and like, and I think that's why people like, can like, like shows like that more because like, that's and life. it's realistic. Like, like I do yeah. mobile security. So obviously, you know, any job you're in, someone's going to make an inappropriate joke. I had, again, an old timer boomer, essentially basically <laughs> make a remark. Oh, I'm in, inward town i'm like oh my god you're such a cunt but hey <laughs> you do the job and no one talks to you so it is what it is can't i can try correcting you but you don't listen to anyone anyway so it's not going to work but uh and yeah I, I wanted to say also about because we talk about how like you can watch it even now and the issues are there but that's why i think the character of sipowitz who basically the show became about um through people leaving and then it's like okay, that's his we'll whole progression it. will yeah he make amends will he get back together with his family you know his troubled wife his son who wants to be a cop you know and the second stages of his career when you know he decides to mentor the other cops who are just not playing by the rules and he becomes less intense in the interrogations even though he still has a few beat downs or off-color comments and it's just it's great too seeing i mean even the psychiatrist episode where he shoots at a bunch of guys and he can't remember how many shots he let off. It was interesting <laughs> too, how it was like, he fills that thing, but he doesn't get any repercussions, but then he's just still told, Hey, just do your job. But again, just let, let the other mm-hmm. guys go in first, you know, just, <laughs> and, well, he, yeah, I, I mean, for God's sakes, we, we have so many times where they're having to deal with other bullies in other police districts that you can't say that everything is all glamorized either. Yeah. It's like, I love how they bring a bunch of realism is like, they go to another district and the guys are instantly like, Oh, you're anti-police, anti-union. We will, you know, we will cancel you. Basically. That's basically what they're doing. You know, and it's like, well, that the one guy played by the guy who was, uh, it's the real life brother of mayhem in those commercials. He was on Oz. I, I dug mm. his bully, how he's constantly going to sip car and like, uh, you know, putting a hole in his tire and it, it takes a while. You're like, who, who he poisons his fish? What's up? Yeah. He, he poisons his fish. Oh, oh that's, that's right. right. He poisoned his fish. Yeah. He fucking, he fucking picks his kid. He has some guy pick his kid up for 10 minutes and like drive him around and shit. Like, He's just like, the yeah, ultimate like, intimidation. And yeah. I like that because we've all had people who we've encountered in a job where we're like, this guy is practically a sociopath, you know, <laughs> just or lacking yeah. in empathy. <laughs> just that much cynicism on the job. I've I've worked at temp agencies and I've had people who just acted like again, we were all prima donnas, and it's like, so basically I can report 
anything that's just not working and you won't even spend any time on it. You'll just pressure us to leave. Got it. That's (laughs) just how this fucking place works. And I I think that's just it. This show just reminds you about the disappointment you will anticipate. And there's several (laughs) times. And I mean, Matavoy, I think, I think, you go around being kind of carefree. You can kind of suspend belief that he would get along with someone like Martinez or Simone. You're like, okay, they got nothing in common. I doubt this would work in real life, but Hey, they're professionals. That's just how they are. They know they're all wired and odd. So they just get along. But I love how, when you get post Baldwin Jones, you know, and what a great addition and no one talks about him enough. And it's like, I loved how he was <laughs> yeah, having true. to also, again, deal with hood areas and do the whole, oh, you will not speak to me like that just because I'm in uniform. And I love how he also, I think, yeah, somewhere along the way, Matt voice is just like some fucked up thing about like, I punched that dog square in the jaw. I'm like, oh, okay, he's probably a alt-right asshole before there was a thing. <laughs> he says some <laughs> a few off-color comments in like later seasons. You're like, yeah, I don't think anyone gets along with him. And his jokes that he does during his toast is like oh man those are cringeworthy but that would probably happen in real life because that's just how he is <laughs> well yeah him and oh, him and him and sipowitz because i can't remember the, i mean there's so many episodes the camera i think they go back ones. they like imply that they're like childhood pals or something something well like that. The, they have i think multiple run-ins where they say that they are both basically republicans and they also, it wasn't exactly a political race, but when they were talking about who would be the delegate for the union, they outwardly admitted that they were going to vote for a guy they think is an idiot rather than vote for Martinez. Uh, yeah. When it, um, what's his name, Kyle? I can't remember his name. Um, Catelli, Vince Catelli. When Vince Catelli's running again, they're like, look, he's a moron, but he's got my vote. And I'm like, you're going to vote for a guy you outwardly don't respect. You've said it out loud that you don't respect him or like what he does, but you're going to vote for him because it won't be a change. And, and that's, then, uh, that's realistic because, I mean, <laughs> even though he's yeah. uh, hanging out with Irwin, you know, the openly gay, you know, secretary and they're kind of this area, it's like, again, you, we all have bigotries, you know. So, again, sorry, mm-hmm. Sibowitz, you are a Kyle. <laughs> there's plenty of other carrots on the show but it's just gonna happen is like there and again it seems like it's impossible to tell people i'm not supporting them but they're not a hundred percent it's just it is what it is you can have a drink with them but you're also you might see them in court because they're dealing with a crappy well, breakup or having to take down a mob boss who <laughs> have a bunch it, it of cases. <laughs> yeah, it all, it also speaks to how good those actors are. Cuz I mean, Dennis Franz and uh uh Greg Metavoy, I can't remember your name. I apologize, but he we both hated of them so much on Hill Street Blues <laughs> and in Die Hard 2 as the annoying like head of security and you're like, yeah, he he's got this down to him. <laughs> like they're so good at being those guys that you don't even second guess that they are those guys while watching the show. So it speaks to how good how good they are as actors that they get together and they work on the scene and then do the scene where it's like, wow, they are those guys. They embody them perfectly. Even when they get annoyed with each other throughout the season, when totally. Sip, yeah, like Sipowitz gets a little too into the thing and he, he's very short with everybody and Metavoy is just complaining about him. It's like, yeah, these guys are exactly the characters they need for the show. It's it's just kind of... I can't I, I see anyone else in the roles, you know? 
You can yeah, see plenty of other shows but, where you're like, that would have been inspired casting or that could have gone one way or the other. It would have been good, but it, you know, depending on the writing or the takes, it might not have worked out or gotten viewers' attention. You just don't know. And uh, have you ever seen Nicholas DeToro and John Leguizamo in the same room? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I have not. Again, they don't um, look at all the same, but they have the exact same persona. And, and it's funny how you bring up Martinez because he played a cop re- on a recent arc of Law and Order SVU where he like kidnaps one of the other detectives and basically uh, they have to find a way to just let him off the hook. And it's like, hey, I get it. You, you ransomed me so you could save your daughter who, you know, got kidnapped by a businessman with too many resources. We'll let you a pass. You're already not a working cop anymore. So why would I want to punish you any further? But it is interesting how everything else I've seen him and he's basically just been a crook. And I think this and even that Hellraiser movie was in got him just some better offers. Like, Hey, he can play some authority figures as opposed to fat, you know, Tony, the, you know, the uncle of the block in New York. You know? <laughs> yeah. Kyle, what, it, what were we going to what were Sorry, you go say? ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say with, with the whole Meta Boy Simplitz thing, you kind of see that play out through like at the end, I feel like, because when it ends in season 12, like Meta Boy leaves, but Simplitz stays. And I think it shows like that Meta Boy, like Meta Boy only treated this place as like a job, whereas like Simplitz, like he was all like it was, he was always the detective. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. M- Meta Boy, like this was just a place to make money whatever be with donna <laughs> like whatever <laughs> right and i donna. think i think the i think all these guys i mean most of them came kind of from a sitcom world like uh, what's her name who played baldwin's uh valerie you know garcelle buvius and yeah. it's like i think she got some better roles and yeah you mentioned zach morris portrayer mark gosler <laughs> i think playing i mean andy does view clark jr as kind of a son since his you know drunk fired you know senior uh you know is also kind of a disgraced cop it's just interesting how they go into kind of conspiracy mode and find out other toxic mayhem while getting his life back on track because much like danny Sorensen, you know when he first joins he doesn't know really what he wants to be a cop other than just pure pressure and you know it's the cool kids thing to do and it's like he basically makes him take shit seriously and uh like you say, it's interesting too how, uh, you know, at that point, he is basically the old retired uncle who, you know, again, not perfect, but you might invite to some party now that he's finally, you know, not pissing everyone off any public occasion he goes to, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he's not, and he's not drunk all the time because that's oh, the other, totally. that's the other big, the big runner through the whole series was alcoholism slash i guess um, addiction of any kind because it was i didn't i mean obviously we were so young when we were first watching it i didn't realize just how um, mirror the actor's life even diane russell portrayer kim delaney i had no idea she was a drunk for the longest time and they worked that in <laughs> yeah it, it's it's interesting to see a show where they take it seriously but they also show you how bad it is like we're going right now through uh the episodes where they talk about Dornan, who was the black sergeant who gets demoted and then starts drinking after like 15 years of sobriety. And he's That's like, a good point. Yeah. He's, he's on like a rocket train 
<laughs> to being basically yeah. homeless. Yeah. Like it's so bad. And, and it's just simple. It's and fancy getting together, trying to help this dude. And it's so, it's so weird that a show could take that so seriously as well as all this other stuff. And then also get other things completely wrong that, uh, we don't have to talk about now. But we could. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think they do a good job. Just even just bringing in, they struggled a bit on the attorneys because you know Sylvia, you know, was just such a highlight, and then the actress didn't want to do the role anymore. And then you know, so lo and behold, you know, she's married to Sipowitz, and she gets shot in a courtroom, and you're like, I'm kind of spoilers. spoiler for an almost 30 year old show but yeah it's like the way they wrote that was kind of questionable it's like yeah they kind of rush it a bit and when i saw it on hulu like one thing that does not age well on these older shows is the slow motion it's just for no no reason however they remaster it it, and every time it will rush and you're like it's not meant to be goofy but it's kind of kind of going to mystery science theater field (laughs) oh yeah so 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 let's think about this right so they kill they kill beloved <laughs> second wife. Straight murdered her in a courtroom. Uh killing his kid <laughs> in the line of duty wasn't good enough. So I was like, yep, yeah, Sylvia's gonna kill the second wife. His his third wife disappears like at near towards the end of season eleven and is not in season twelve at all. Yes, and they, um, they, Connie they, they, is one of the cops who marries him yeah. and then the actress didn't want to do it, so they're like, "Well, it's okay." <laughs> yeah. And so they don't, they just say like, "We're gonna send you home, and you can just talk to him through the phone." Like that's how we're like <laughs> we're gonna like we're not we couldn't have done that for Sylvia. <laughs> Good point. Um, and brought yeah. her in like once in a while to just like come to like a cop racket or something. Well, in like, in, she was on the in the defense as the mom. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, in the defense, I was just watching, she was a she's a judge in Boston legal. So, oh, that's right. That was hysterical. In the defense, in the defense of NYPD, in the defense, rest you. <laughs> uh, I think what happened is I th- because I think they did the same thing with Jimmy Smith. They were so burned by what Caruso did. Because, like, he got a pretty decent send-off for basically saying, I want the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, he can come back anytime, and he never did. So I oh, think they Caruso? were kind of... Caruso. He couldn't come back. He was a disgraced cop. Didn't, did Caruso come back to NYPD Blue? I don't no, remember. No, he did not. Nope. No. But yeah, and plus, they, they wrote out Janice up. as a result, Amy Burnham's character, because this is like, okay, and... Now we got to write out his ex-wife, Laura Sherry Stringfield. That's okay. She's got ER. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like that whole plot line had to die away. And I think they did pretty good compared to, like you say, the other ones where you're just like, like the, the really, this actually brings me to my only grip. I absolutely dug Lieutenant Rodriguez played by Isaiah Morales. It's like, you've never mm. seen a Lieutenant like that before. And he was able, I think, to hold his own. You weren't comparing him to Fancy who, again, you know, that's a big shoot a fill is like james mcdonald's star making role and here you know isa you know he'd already done you know la bamba and he's going to be on some other big shows later on like jericho and is like with this role i think he he did so well he's dealing with a drug addicted you know slutty ex-wife and then having to again uh, 
maintained to civil was like, hey, I respect you, you know, cop to another cop, but again, stop fucking around. Stop just not talking to me like I'm not in the room, you know. And yeah. you guys stop sleeping with each other. You know, and it <laughs> it was a, a, I really did not like how he exited stage right. And like when they come back from the break, like in one season premiere, somehow within a few days, he's grown a must, you know, like he's become clean shaven all of a sudden. You're like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> Going for Danny's yeah, killer. Was- and it's just a brief thing. But then, yeah, it's like he exits stage right after a romance with Ortiz, Jacqueline Obrador's character. And you're just like, and then it's like, they didn't know what to do with her except, okay, she's just going to, basically fulfill the role that Russell and Kirkendall had where it's like, I arrest people. I'm basically part of the female vice squad. And it's like, well, give her something to do. Otherwise, <laughs> she's just a talking voice in the room. <laughs> well, the best, part, the best part about her character is at the beginning of season 12, she berates, I, I don't know the actress's name, but she plays, she's uh, Murphy. Uh, she's only in it for a year. Uh, blonde, blonde, tall, blonde girl. Yeah, Bonnie ber- Somerville. She, yeah, there Bonnie you know. Somerville. I'm, yeah, she berates the crap out of her for being too flirtatious at work, and it's like, yo, you just hooked up with your boss like six months ago. Also, doesn't like, she hook up with Zach Attack too? Yeah, you well, hooked up with Zach I mean, Attack too. <laughs> like, I, mean, uh, I really dug it's, that because that could have been very just dumb, like a very lame Rocky wannabe, you know, Karate Kid thing, and it's like basically it is like everyone to them is just the wrestling world is kind of an oyster and so that's what they do afterwards is like cops fight other (laughs) cops in the downstairs basement but yeah it's like after that is like then i guess they decided hey you know let's just have clark jr kind of be a dick one day and then realize okay i'm just too personal to everything i need to just take a break and ortiz she's got to go her own route (laughs) yeah I, i think i think the show to go back to my original point i think but I was trying to, uh, I think they were like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think, I think they just wanted to say like, look, if you want to leave the show, you're done. So when people were leaving, (laughs) yeah. Like, so when people were leaving, like Jimmy Smith's, his exit is so harsh. Like it's not like wrote that exit. So it's like, yeah, he's going to help him out because Smith's never let him down. You know, you take, you go from LA law and then to this, it was like, and now you're going to whatever TV movies and then now with Star Wars and a bunch of other recurring TV kicks. It was like, like yeah, he's they yeah. the way they ended him was so like final that I feel like they just said, look, to even spare the embarrassment, because we bring back characters all the time. Martens is always coming in from uh the rat squad from IAB. Yeah, we got Russell... James. We- takes off after a while and then they bring her back to deal with like she's like head of the, like the sex crimes unit she's basically detective benson you know Mariska Hargitay on law and order and isn't that wild wikipedia points out this might be because of that meta reference is like there's that one blonde guy who keeps messing with all the lieutenants and taking over for like part of division and he's like he's from the 27th district which is the same uh department on the original law and order i'm like oh that's that's meta that's oh, cute that's yeah. So it made me wonder because it's like there's plenty of other connections to where you could connect it to the same elsewhere <laughs> off side mm-hmm. universe but it's like i never would have thought that would be the one <laughs> line of dialogue that was a giveaway <laughs> oh yeah. man i was i'm trying to remember i think there's another show that connects to nypd blue that's shocking that i can't put together but i do know uh, cop rock 
Yeah, well, yeah, copy. Well, that of course. awful musical. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like the Ellie Law and uh, well, also there's that one guy who's they nicknamed Buck Naked. He's apparently was on Hill Street Blues, and so that's the connection to. Oh yeah, um, and I didn't remember also... that character, but I was like, that's the connection of all things. So I guess that show was in New York as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, the only one I can remember was on, I guess it was the Muppets or Sesame Street. They did uh, NYPD Green, where they <laughs> pretended or they pretended that Kermit was a detective on the streets of New York. Oh, that's they, creepy. <laughs> and they were, <laughs> and they. And they like, and they and they did a really weird job of censoring all the bad words. I remember that was the joke: was we're gonna do NYPD Blue, but we can't say any of the bad words. So there's all these oh, weird man. sound effects uh, instead of words. Family Guy had one joke where it's like they're just basically the guy is interrogating someone in a uh, interrogation room, and then just drops his pants and was like, "Ah, eh, that's funny." <laughs> <laughs> but, well, there's also, I mean, to to talk about another great show love of mine. Um, Probably one of the best. The Drew Carey show. South, uh, <laughs> one of the best. South remember Park Martinez episodes. appears in one episode. Um, the probably one of the best South Park episodes. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, it hit. It hits the fan. Was about NYPD Blue saying shit. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And I'm pretty <laughs> and sure too. I mean, just anything and, at that time. They were always sneaking in a few things, and it's so wild how they'd let ER or Third Watch get away with it. But the show, it's just funny how. You just wonder if it's a popularity contest or if it's just people at the wrong time just, I hate something. I don't know what it means or even is incorporated, but I must complain. I must write well, in the FCC. Oh, I 100%, I 100% think it's that because like, when people are re-watching it now, they're not complaining about the language or the, the like, few Yeah, they're just talking about the themes, yes. Yeah. So it was a hundred percent. It was a hundred percent the time, and people just like not never not seeing something like that and just being taken aback. But now it's now it. I would consider it light compared to some things that you do see. Oh, like compared like, to Dead, as intense compared as to a, Deadwood, this yeah. is like this is like a cartoon. This is like a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> Although, in all fairness, even Deadwood. I mean, when it's brutal, you just know why it's going brutal. Versus like. Game of Thrones, which just is basically hard soft porn, you know, half the yes. time. And, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And like 100%. to say, is like Bochco just, he predicted, he just saw what was being shown on the movie channels. He's like, that's the kind of show I'm going to make. And anyone's got a problem with it, you know, <laughs> you can, you can show me the door because I'm not going to stop doing what I want to do. And like to say, yeah. it's, it's just hard to, I don't know. It's just, sometimes it just, you just wonder if it's just, a dumb person calling in versus just <laughs> someone well, just doesn't like something and they just must complain. And well, it's yeah, also no, that's true. It's, it's also clear that they're not actually watching it because there's so many episodes of NYPD Blue where they'll describe a crime, like they described what happened to the victim, and you're like, that in and of itself was way more disturbing. Even Kirkendall, especially, she's always dealing with a rape. And, like, there's that one episode, remember, where Baldwin takes the one rapist into the room and just has him witness the awful shit he's done. And it's like, that's as R-rated as it gets for me. Is this, like, he's forcing the guy to watch the crime he committed on videotape. And yeah. just, like, saying, hey, you know, you're not going to do that shit again, man. You know? <laughs> or, the, or even... Um... 
the uh, when I think of like the Webster killer or some of the like really disturbing. The one guy like, who was sawing people up in the apartment building. We thought the yeah. Wally Wally guy was behind it. Is like no, he just saw who was doing it. He's just a voyeur creep. <laughs> or, or the um, what's the other one? There was there was one where a head because i remember when i saw it in the hulu edit i was like they didn't show that on tv right that's impossible where they found the <laughs> do they, they found the doa in their chair and the person Man. had cut off cut off their head and put it in their lap yeah and i was like there's no way they showed it like that that's way too explicit and they're like nope that's how it was and i'm like that's way more worse than seeing some side boob i think uh, they did get to where it's just like <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like with X Files. When it started, everyone was like, oh, "It's kind of gritty. Don't show your kids that. It's nightmare fuel." And yet, it, it's, I mean, same thing with even Star Trek. I mean, there's so much even mature material that they don't even show. But it's, it was just kind of one of those. It's like everyone thought it was just like Star Wars. It's like, oh, okay, you know, it'll go over the kid's head. Don't worry about it. You know. And yeah, they won't. They won't get it. It's. It is funny how we're still kind of seeing that. I mean, with people rewriting what can be displayed in certain schools is like just so you know everyone can think the world's fine every war we fought is good and you know keep politicians in power through you know ignorance it's it's just very interesting seeing how is like everyone was kind of ahead of that is like we were predicting the whole just don't show anyone anything and you know they won't ask questions and you won't have to deal with it it's just like that's even worse because then they'll ask it at an inappropriate time years later down the road <laughs> yeah or they don't, the, or they or they don't ask and when they're faced with something and that involves like they have a midlife like, crisis and they're like yeah, i don't know what they, to or do they, <laughs> or they like do something that causes harm to someone else whether that's like mental or physical like so yeah yeah no 100 percent. well and you guys have already done i mean you constantly are even talking about how uh the characters in and of themselves i mean and once again, a factor of the good writing, how they are just afraid to even just confront certain truths about themselves. And so they'll often, oh yeah, they do just so good at, I mean, you can pretty much memorize the set then and there, you know, it's like someone's doing something unusual in the restroom or someone is having to, again, just walk down and right by the jail cell or the interrogation room and just think this out or someone hogged the coffee maker. But it, it, they do a good job of just keeping you in suspense. It's like, okay, they're in a mood, but why are they in this <laughs> mood? So, and by the end of the episode, it'll be something so simple as like, hey, yeah, just the way you looked at me, you intimidated me or some shit. And it's like, yeah, I can see that happening because that, that happens in any workplace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sipowitz, Sipowitz is a fantastic example of, well, two things, but He's a fantastic example of someone that cannot handle stress in the workplace. No, you think he's going to have a heart attack all the time. And when he does, it's <laughs> like, man. <laughs> he, he also, it's what happens when you don't get ahead of someone who can't handle stress in the workplace. Because he'll, he'll have whole episodes where he just takes over the entire investigation. Where he's like, I'm in charge now. And everyone's like, well, okay, but you're not. Like, yeah. you're, not you're not in charge. Uh, you're just more upset than the rest of us but it doesn't mean you're actually in charge of anything we do but he'll just still bark out orders and be short with everybody and it's because he thinks his like wife's in danger and it's like she's fine by the way <laughs> she's fine the kid's fine 
everything's fine. You're just being She's a dick. You have, to, <laughs> you have to ask yourself, someone who doesn't handle stress well, should they be a detective? <laughs> kind of. It's kind of a good question. And I, I pretty much yeah. got it in my mind that he just hit it pretty well. And then eventually he just started caving into it to where he's like, yeah, no, it's rearing its ugly head at the worst possible times. Yeah. And I like how they do that even later on with like the other uh, the final lieutenant, uh, Bell, in the final season, just played to excellence by Curry Graham. I already seen him on a bunch of other stuff, like that one questionable attorney on Longmire. And he, you know, I, I mainly knew him from this. I'd just seen clips of it when it was re-airing on TNT. And they, there was even a special, I think, that used to be on YouTube talking about the whole wrap-up. And it was like, we've come a long way. We've evolved so naturally. And uh, I, I love how he eventually is just like, hey, guys, Anything you were doing the last few years, you're not doing this year. <laughs> Get over it. And, yeah. Uh, after yeah. that point, they kind of give up on the attorneys who are going to be the attorneys. But I loved how all of them, like Sylvia and the other guys, would put up with whether or not they might have to retry a certain case because the evidence was obtained questionably. But yeah, I love how later on it's like everything is called into question. It's like that makes it a better obstacle course anyway. And again, like you say, a lot of people just want to look at it at face value as opposed to the underlying tones is like, well, that that's probably going to happen. Cause guess what? If you want to show, if you had everything be lolly, lolly, dolly, you know, then you're going to find it even more unrealistic. You're just like, yeah, this is New York rough, tough. Yeah. They're not going to play by the rules. They're not going to have a perfect bread and butter case. It's, it's going to be messy. <laughs> You talk about like unrealistic. Kyle and I, we go <laughs> going through the show right now in season six. Like the thing that's completely ridiculous now is everybody has sex with each other. Like that's just a obviously that's just a product of it being a television show. But thinking about how many times the lieutenant has to turn a blind eye to the fact that everybody in his station house is in a relationship in some way. And it's causing problems constantly. Mm -hmm. uh, like the fact that I, the episode that it came to a head in a great way was uh, Kirkendall and Leo, the assistant district attorney, start having like childish spats in the middle of a discussion about a case. And fancy like at the end of While it. While she's like, getting wired up. While she's getting wired up. <laughs> and then at the end of it, fancy, <laughs> fancy has a moment where he's like, huh, I might have to reconsider them being on this case. And I was like, you should have considered that days ago like it should never gotten here i kind of got that because like tamara tooney you know shout out to future dr warner on svu it's interesting it's like i think he's away so much from home and everything and i don't know i i think he's already i kind of got the sense that he was already dealing with like racial pressure people not used oh, to seeing yeah. a lieutenant in charge oh, and for sure. even just the downtown i love how they perfectly illustrate because like how many times have we had to, you know, go to court, you know, challenge a ticket or whatever and all that. I, and they perfectly, I think I, I saw actor Chris Noth talk, talk shit about how he's like, I can't stand how they film this in LA. He's like, I think they do a pretty good job making it look like a New York, you know, Bronx type street. And just the whole, ah, I got to go to downtown, you know, <laughs> I gotta deal with those guys. And, I mean, even the desk sergeants, I love how they illustrate is like those guys can be toxic one day versus pleasant one minute or you didn't have a bad experience because they weren't on 
shift that day. And mm. I mean, I get that now with the post office, depending on who's on duty <laughs> determines your customer service. And it's like, ugh, it's bad. Yeah. And you have all these dudes, like that's another thing about NYPD blue. That's so cool is how it kind of makes a world of policing in New York and then makes all these connections. Like you have, uh, you have Martens and IAB, you have the chief of D's, which changes over time. You have other sergeants and you have other detectives and other uh, uh, patrolmen or uniform officers. And you'll see them from time to time. And those guys will have histories. Like we talked about Dornan who gets demoted and then starts going into, starts to drink again. There's a, um, I want to say like Santos, but I know that's not his name. Um, but there's a guy who was helping out um, uh, Jimmy Smith's character, Simone, oh, a lot. I, think I know, yeah, yeah. And and these guys are like, well, those are the guys I know in those districts, and I trust them. But then there's also guys in other districts that once they hear their name, they're like, well, we're not going to get anywhere. We're <laughs> just like, I know that guy; he's not going to do shit for us. Or anytime they have to deal with a a precinct like in another part of the country where they're like oh we have to call philadelphia like they're not gonna do shit for us like it's always kind of dismissive <laughs> even like a key it's either season three or four where they go out of town to like a country-ish area of new york i, mm-hmm. I really dug that episode because it just showed that they're just intimidated by just going out of their comfort zone it's like that's just it these guys were from very strict families and everything so you get that whole idea that eventually shit hits the fan and you know again it just rears its ugly head everyone introduces each other in a very awkward unpleasant way and then has to say hey do you just you just want to get a drink (laughs) because i got nothing else to offer and i don't mean to be a prick but i'm very prickly today (laughs) and also i and i i've um i have no license to uh give him a diagnosis but there's parts of me that really thinks that simone not simone sipowitz is like on the spectrum slightly because he has moments in social situations where it's like dude you're it's really hard for you to see the social cues and for you to interact with these people and that's okay but you not understanding that leads to a lot of problems with like straight with like complete strangers with with victims that's sometimes. even more realistic too i mean how many times <laughs> yeah, did like, you correct your siblings or a friend growing up and they were just too thick-headed or shallow to understand what you're talking <laughs> about and you just had to say okay well i I don't have time to deal with this right now so i'm just going to tell you stop saying that shit you know it, it is <laughs> it is interesting how you got to take a shortcut sometime, but it sucks because like they still don't learn. And it's like, well, and I think that speaks to, I mean, even today's world where people are like, oh, it's too PC. When they talk about, they get into an internet culture war. I'm like, I don't think you guys know why this is a problem. You just want to make fun of the fact that you're getting canceled by saying this. And it's just like, there's just so many contrarian people and the show deals pretty well with the, again, just the, the essence of it is like how many times did you get told hey just stop what you're doing right now <laughs> you know <laughs> or there's gonna be yeah. consequences you know and uh even some of these actors I'm, I'm i'm fine with the fact that they play similar stuff years later on like i loved how michael b silver who played uh ada you know attorney cohen you know, is like oh, i yeah. I, I, every other thing I've seen him in, I basically have seen him you know, just like Criminal Minds or one of those Boston legal type shows, just play a lawyer. But 
I mean, I, I think they get even more okay. wiggle, wiggle room, room if they've been doing almost, you know, half a decade's worth of shows like this. They get more freedom to do all these other just intimidating or hard to describe kind of roles. And it just helped that, uh, I mean, like you were summing up earlier, I mean, you got to face the music, got to face your truths. And sometimes if you don't want to, then, you know, it just fades out in unpleasant ways, you know, it's just where people just don't want to talk to you or you say, like, I, I love how when they even describe some of these guys are, I mean, they do a good job also of just illustrating how uh, pregnant cops are discriminated against, uh, just attorneys are kind of revered even more and hated by cops more than internal affairs. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah. And well, speak, it's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's because, like, you mentioned the, in, the, the politics of it all, but it's also interesting how trying to organize this thought correctly. It, it's very interesting how these guys are always at odds with each other, but they still have the same goal. And it creates such a weird, like, and I, I'll only seem to refer to the stuff we're watching now because Kyle went ahead and watched the rest of the series and I'm still in season six making the notes for the episodes. So like, good. right now, <laughs> like when, when, towards the end of season six, they're doing one case really, which is about a guy who was giving women intentionally too harsh of drugs to watch them die on camera. And all the friction is not whether or guy uh, this guy did this. Everybody knows he did this. Everybody knows that it, that's what happened. The problem is his attorney is James Sinclair, who walks in and dresses down everybody mm -hmm. and just Based controls on his the room. history with them. And I love, I do love how they do courtroom scenes on this because you know, oh yeah, Bochco's L.A. Law would go for the absurd. The practice in Law and Order. Will take creative license 24 will often end with well you're both wrong or the person we were just arguing about the terrorist on trial is dead so we got to start all over you know and i just love how when they do courtroom stuff like this basically yeah he's pressuring them but not in a way where like they just do it in a way better way you're like yeah i can totally see they're basically pulling an oj simpson lawyer take on this is like and i like it even more because it just feels a little more plausible it's like this guy's waiting for a news camera to come into the room so he can, you know, get a pay raise. Yeah, and, and to shout out another book that I read because of NYPD Blue. Uh, There's they did, some uh, good books on this show. Really <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what Would Sipowitz Do has an article about how NYPD Blue explained legal language better than most lawyers can. Because mm. in, every court, in every courtroom scene, you notice that every defense lawyer is trying to reword the question in the mind so the juror immediately has doubt. It was never, like every question is asked not to prove, oh, the person didn't do it. The, every question is asked to make the juror questions like, well, is that 100% accurate? So like James Sinclair, like I didn't realize it until I read that article. The way he asks questions is so very specific to get the cop or the witness to seem non-credible for just a moment because that's all he needs and then he could talk around them until they look foolish and it's pretty so insane it's pretty insane because then you have cohen who 
you mentioned that that actor and it's proof that NYPD Blue casts almost perfectly like every time. Judy uh, Laurie Johnson, my friends, and I light up whenever I would see her name at the end of like say uh, <laughs> CSI, uh, Star Trek, or even uh, Prison Break episode. Like uh, they're in good hands. You just know they're going to pick all these actors who've been around forever, who've done theater, soap operas, and they're ready to you know make their star making right. role for a five uh, part character arc. And I mean. It's funny you bring that up because it's like there are so many like recurring characters. It's like this was doing basically five character arcs before that was a thing. Now, mm -hmm. a, a typical NCIS episode will often do that, and it's awesome. You're like, now I have a reason to tune in because I know it's all connected. It's not and the super friends have saved the day. You know, it's not <laughs> yeah go home for the day. It's like even when you see them going home for the day, you're just like you can just tell you just feel the exhaustion on their head and again just the music and editing is good i still see people complain about shaky cam and everything it's like i can do it in basically anything unless it's certain christopher nolan movies where i just i get a headache but it's like it's like now there's so many other shows that would not exist without that technique like the shield mm -hmm. would have a lot of people even just peeking in on each other just like uh, having suspicions about their coworkers, and same kind of deal people would look at it at face value and say oh it's another nypd homicide or svu clones like no not even close similar and same thing with that bosch is kind of doing i saw some it seems like it's got a pretty high rating but there were occasionally some critics who said oh it's good but it's just another cop show i'm like you're not even paying attention to it <laughs> i mean it's got the same similar but it's not the same yeah that that always happens with uh because folks i mean friends and, and co-workers and acquaintances like i'll tell them like well i have a podcast about nypd blue and most of them have no idea what it is so then i explain it and then they're like oh so it's like law and order and i'm like it's not like law and order it's kind of like law and order but it's not <laughs> and, 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 not even remotely <laughs> same thing with that yeah. i mean I, I even see shows like ray donovan and power i mean you want to talk yeah. careers uh what's her name uh created ray donovan wrote a won an Emmy for writing some key Sipowitz episodes in like season two or three. Um, uh, uh, her name will come to in a second, but yeah, same deal. I'm like, I'm seeing people say, oh, it's trying to be too much like Breaking Bad or Sopranos. I'm like, it might exist because of that, but I mean, and Biderman's her name. And yeah, she does great on Ray Donovan, same kind of deal. Like, I, I don't, much like, I don't think Milch would have done Deadwood. I don't think she would have done Ray Donovan had they not had great experience working on this show. And, like you say, yeah, it's like, I mean, people always act like certain shows were the first ones to do this or that. And it's like, why does no one even talk about Oz? You know, it's like, that yeah. show in and of itself yeah. talked about how we're kind of like Tales from the Crypt, but we're not. We're going to show a bunch of unrelated people who have similar stories. They're all in this experimental society, you know. And, uh, yeah, it, it seems like everyone likes to just, again, get on the chopping block and start inter they were starting internet wars before they were internet wars <laughs> it's just distractingly bad because you're just like please stop enjoy it it, it can all be enjoyed yeah, I, I see yeah. I, I mean i did a sam raimi episode on here and uh even larry, <laughs> even larry cohen and you know i had people who kind of loved hated hit their work and who legit loved their work but it fortunately wasn't a shit show because i mean i had some of them were like oh i don't really like superhero movies but i like horror movies or I like superhero movies, but I don't like horror movies. It's like, you can like it all. And I guarantee you, chances are, if you don't like something, you've just seen the worst that it had to offer. You haven't seen the good stuff. Like, And 
I was, I was the same way. Like I used to think sci-fi movies were kind of boring and it's like, well, there's some good slow burn stuff that stays with you. That is philosophical. And the same thing with horror. I was like, okay, not at all. Not all of it is torture porn. Some of it is very witty and grim and gothicy. So it was like the same thing with action. It's like, not all of it is fast and furious type car chases. Some of it is very legit. Well done. Spy assassin <laughs> revenge movies. And the, you're right. They all can't be that good. You know, oh, with family uh, with family and beer, <laughs> and the throwing away of, and in Fast Nine we forgot how magnets work. No, the the, of <laughs> uh, well, what's happening and it's kind of great is with the internet and things getting so fracted. Like, like I just saw the Batman, like I just saw the Batman yesterday. That is as much a mystery detective story as it is a superhero movie, and you think about the certain superhero movies are now kind of they're shifting into well this is more of a comedy well this is more of a horror this is more of a this and i think the more we get to where you're adding genres or splitting genres like Shaun of the dead an amazing idea and a super funny movie but also very good zombie movie it's it's just letting i guess people catch up with the fact like like, I mean, Kyle will agree. Our father has this thing where the second I say the movie is an animated movie, he's not watching it because cartoons are for children. <laughs> and it's like, dude, like, I but understand you what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. And so, I mean, <laughs> like, same thing no. here. I see people just say, oh, it's a cop show. What does that mean? Good or bad? <laughs> it's going to let them get off and solve the crime. I'm like, have you seen Chicago PD lately? I mean, virtually everyone has committed a murder or is about to be prosecuted or go too far. So it's like, yeah, I think everyone likes to create barriers before they even allow it. I mean, I see it even with people who are fans of certain actors who are like, oh, I haven't seen liked anything they did afterwards. I'm like, but you haven't seen anything they did later on. So how can you mm-hmm. say that? And yeah. I think that's just it. I think people like to, again, just like to be Kyles and Karens. They like to just talk shit without <laughs> without seeing it yeah. uh but yeah, i think uh, so uh, i talked a bit about internal affairs uh, i'll just talk briefly about brooklyn south so this was on you know around shortly after like season five and six that cbs wanted some of that watchco drama and so he bought obligated let long story short short like typical CBS pulled a Fox and or an NBC for that matter and just scheduled it in between Monday night football and Les Mumes wasn't digging it <laughs> and it's got a mature audience rating just because someone gets shot in the head in the opening episode as if mm-hmm. the bare butts and people getting called, you know, homophobic slurs wasn't bad enough. But um, I, I did have the full DVD of this and it was dynamite. It was great. It was a really awesome show. And Unfortunately, it's just, it leaves you wanting more at the end because it just sets it up just so well. And so many great actors on this. Uh, Richard T. Jones, who's like on The Rookie Now with Nathan Fillion and was on The Terminator Show, is on here as an officer frequenting prostitutes. Uh, again, <laughs> you mentioned before we started, Brian Cranston has a brief recurring arc as a crooked internal affairs guy. And yeah, the connection to NYPD is that, yeah, the Paul Ben Victor's snitch appears for a few episodes and uh the main iab guy played by scott allen campbell shows up for about two episodes as well <laughs> just 
and what? Oh, it's a who's who of precinct TV practically is like John Tinney from Tombstone and later on in the closer is the main guy. Um, uh, the guy playing the desk sergeant has gone on to do plenty of other stuff like the Irishman. Um, Titus Welliver, who was the doctor on NYPD Blue and is now Harry Bosch, is also on here as a moody cop who kind of goes along with the flow. And Adam Rodriguez, pre-CSI Miami and Criminal Minds. So it's like, yeah, it's just, this made so many stars. Um, even the head writer of Southland and Criminal Minds worked on this with a bunch of Bosco's other usual creative team and a bunch of his other police advisors. And it's just like, it's just so much goodness. And uh, I was even fortunate enough to look at the special features. They're pretty good, including the blurb you get from Bochco. If you can get past the shoddy circa pre YouTube transition mm. noises, but I mean, it even had like some stuff for like police codes. I'm like, that's a great special feature. Cause it's like, I understand 10, four, like, comprehend understood but I, I don't understand all these other ones that are very important to know oh, wow. so yeah now now i, I have it, to watch uh, watch the show 10 11 audible alarm is sounding 10 22 larceny 10 30 robbery in progress you know it's like 10 52 dispute and it also has dylan walsh you know who was later on he was like the ira uh, smuggler on uh, Longmire and a bunch of other mm -hmm. shows but yeah I mean it will leave you wanting more and at the same time it, it you're you're satisfied just watching this because like it's just so different like Hill Street was kind of about again just the mechanisms of multiple uh, parts of law society you know and showing showing patrol cops and this was just you know NYPD was about showing the detectives this shows patrol cops, but then it even uh, goes a, a step further. Like it's just showing the Brooklyn area and how basically, I mean, I was listening to some true crime podcasts around the same time on how, you know, women will be beat up and they can't get a proper restraining order against their husbands because they happen to be a drunk police officer off duty or, mm -hmm. or just their ex cons or something. And this plays on a lot of that as well as just how people try to redeem themselves and same kind of deal. Like, uh, uh, the, you know, the one guy who was Baldwin on NYPD is having to deal with by, uh, getting custody of his ab abused son. Mm -hmm. He's on this yeah. as well as this gunman. Mm -hmm. And even though the gunman is killed in the first episode of Brooklyn South, like, they, they they get even more experimental than uh, Andy's uh, nightmares of him imagining himself as his dad abusing him. You know, it's like they, they do that kind of surreal stuff too, where they're imagining the gunman in the, you know, with the bullet holes still intact, you know, intimidating, talking to them, <laughs> holding them hostage in a room. So that, that this oh, just was just so creative. And it it's just one of those other things. It's just like Milch was just kind of getting forward of working with Bochco and Bochco was tired of him, you know, kind of working on his ADD nature. So, I mean, it's just a shame that they all were having to kind of cave into network pressure and go their own route. And Bochco was having to find out, you know, what can I do that's new? That's not a repeat of my formulas. And I, I think this was just too good for its own good. You know, it's just every, this is when all the networks were changing their standards. Cable TV was getting edgier and, the Emmys were putting pressure on, you know, 
uh, what they consider worthy of being awarded. So I think this is it. Again, just all this stuff is just too good, but it we see through it because we encounter elements of it every day. So that's why it appeals to us the most, as opposed to, like you say, other shows, which again, you know, every show goes downhill after a while. We can name a season of a show we didn't like after a while. And mm. this is just awesome sauce, like you guys said, still illustrating. And I mean, I, w- I will submit that maybe there is a show that hasn't done that yet. And its <clears> name <throat> is South Park, but that would just be me. <laughs> so I, mean, I think South Park, South Park hasn't gone down yet, but I'm no. I'm but it's had, it's had, I mean, they just own the. They just <laughs> trigger warning. I mean, they they did kind of disown the coon episode, but I thought that was at least in the right direction, despite not always being uh, as funny as they thought it was. But I mean, that's just it. I mean, uh, I, I did see some recent South Park, and it just kind of depressed me. But I think I'm sure I might be laughing at it years from now when I'm not too close to the music when I'm not when we're hopefully yeah. in a better society. So I think that's just it too. I mean, I, yeah, I, I everyone acts like, well, you've got to enjoy it when it's on. And if you didn't watch it then, oh, it's irrelevant. Now. Well, yeah, it's like, that's I, not I, how uh, this works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, quick, quick story about South Park. Like the season when Donald Trump was elected, I didn't watch it. And the reason I didn't watch it is because at the time they were doing full season arcs, which is like the first time or like second time they've ever done that. And I knew because they they would they would do an episode about who became president without knowing for sure and they would base it on Vegas odds and i knew that <laughs> trump did not have vegas odds so they made an, an episode where he he did not win and hillary did so i was like i don't know what they could have done to fix it and also i'm very afraid of what they're going to just come out and say on television when this happens um, it'll make it all too real it took me like a year to finally watch that entire season to see what they said. It was just, but, well, I'm the same way. I mean, I was the same way when Randy eats a bad and gets like COVID or something. It's like, okay, but that's just it. Like, this, like all these shows are kind of anti-TV. Like we were even talking about how community was just able to kind of roll through the fold, you know, pre-streaming and yet just had this giant cult fan base that hadn't been seen kind of in a while. And, mm-hmm. and nowadays it's kind of just second nature. People take it for granted. Hey, if I want to see what the viewer thinks. I can go onto Twitter, you know? Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm even more worried about what the future is going to hold now. Cause there's still some people who just seem to think, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is the end all, you know, it's got a low user score, but a high critic score. It's like, at the end of the day, you got to just speak for yourself. You know, just, Oh yeah, absolutely. Just the references and, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The, I'm trying to remember what movie I recommended. It was like, I think it was like point break. It was some, it was some movie from like the nineties or early two thousands. And they were like, well, the <laughs> rotten those movies. Yeah. And they were like, well, the, the rotten tomato score isn't that great. I was like, yeah, it's probably never going to be great. Just watch the movie. It's good. I'm telling you, uh, there, <laughs> there's a time the t- like I feel like any movie that came out before Rotten Tomatoes was a thing, don't w- don't go to the Rotten Tomatoes score. Just watch it and see how you feel. Right. The only you people can't even get it. It's just like, like, like the only people that go to Rotten Tomatoes, like I need to review this film, are either people that really love it so they feel like they have to, or people that really hate it so they feel like they have to. So it's not like a, it's not really a good way to measure anything. 
but uh no especially with the whole i mean i, I see other people shitting on this one i go to metacritic because i know okay they're gonna at least give it maybe a 50 or 60 percent because there's gonna be movies like that where you're like it's good but it's not great it's not excellent it's flawed it's imperfect but it's entertaining or it's meh it's average it's not it's mediocre but it's not atrocious or unwatchable you know and yeah. unfortunately Rotten Tomatoes likes to play you know much like the show reveals the gray area of society and how everyone is different on a different day and uh, is the same kind of deal there is like people just seem to think it's one or the other it's it's good and there's everything else I'm like not exactly there's gonna be something which everyone likes but you don't care for or you're not mm-hmm. the audience for, so you don't like it. And I, fortunately, I think Letterbox is kind of a diamond in the rough because as many people like to troll around or just put give like brief sentence reviews while hammered or high, I, I think there's still <laughs> some people who are able to reveal occult movies or lesser seen stuff and mm-hmm. reveal that oh, yeah. you can still have a casual get together, you know? You don't have to have a, you know, one person t- speaks for all vibe, at, let alone, you know, we reviewed it and it's one and done. There's no need to revisit. It's like, no, 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 no. There's there's going to be people who get caught up with stuff. So what, what better way to talk to someone who is also catching up on stuff like this or, yeah. or has a similar voice or take on it, you know? And, I see people, I don't even know how people even bother with YouTube because you just know you're going to get trolled the fuck out of the comment section. <laughs> yeah, YouTube. I mean, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, it's, it's, it's all pretty bad. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's amazing how you even have to remind people, no, 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 don't, don't take, take that with a grain of salt. And, uh, they want to respond to the troll. I'm like, that's what the troll wants. Stop responding to the troll. I've never seen this, but it sucks. Donkey Kong. I'm like, well, <laughs> you already know that's a troll because they just said, I've never seen it. And oh, I still got to respond. No, that's what they want. <laughs> You're giving them a try. They want attention. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, uh, so I guess a few other just closing thoughts. I mean, like, how would you introduce this to certain people? I mean, obviously, like you say, it stinks that Hulu is the edited copy, but it's also kind of the best looking copy. (laughs) I mean, I've, I've accidentally introduced it to uh, someone who, uh, has been on the show now, been on NYPD Blue Balls because they randomly messaged me. Um, and at that time we were kind of just acquaintances and said, I'm listening to your show. And I was like, no, you're not. And then they showed pictures of their <laughs> played episodes. And I was like, are you, oh, are you watching the show too? And he's like, yeah, the show is great. And I was like, good. That's like really the only reason I ever did the podcast. I want more people to watch the show. Uh, it's, all, <laughs> it's also, it is very fun hanging out with Kyle and talking about the show. And we did have, we had a podcast before that, that was just, let's talk about anything. And then it just turned into let's talk about NYPD blue all the time. Um, you but, guys did good on it because I mean, you also, it's just very natural conversation as opposed to we're, you know, against the clock, we got to do this and that. And 
too many people yeah. like try to do too many things all at once. And as much as I love them, I say that from my heart. There are some podcasts that I love that will take forever to do the whole. And so what are you watching this week, Kyle? What are you doing this <laughs> with your life, Kirk? I'm like, no one gives a fuck about that. Just get to the point. And I've had other people say, why don't you work in this or that? I'm like, I'm not a game show. I, I can't even, you know, this isn't, we record these in advance. I can't do the weekly thing. I can't do the live thing because I know there's someone's going to say something out of context or it's oh, just not yeah. going to sound good. So why, why, <laughs> why bury myself alive doing that? It's just like, don't you got to, I want the episode to be solid. I don't want it. I want it to be a fun, pleasant chat. And I mean, I see other people too, who feel like they just don't want to even record with each other. If they feel they're going to be on opposing sides of the argument. I'm like, well, that's the whole point that you it's impossible to agree and yeah the most, the most <laughs> the most entertaining version of our show is when kyle and i completely disagree on something on the show uh <laughs> like i love how I you about... have to do so many disclaimers <laughs> we edited this we wanted to make it sync better so sorry you're gonna uh <laughs> you're you're hearing me talk about this and i'm telling you now what we talked about <laughs> yeah it's it's um I think the best way, because that's the other thing, people, what people do, I don't know, I'm going to sound kind of like a get off my lawn guy about this. Oh, but, dear, Clint, no. <laughs> but, like, there's this thing where people go, okay, well, what's the episode? Or they're like, what's the season? And, I, and my thought, my thought and my response is, start at episode one. If you're not hooked by five episodes into season one, I don't think you're really going to like the show. I would say if you didn't really like those first episodes, start in season two, episode five, when Jimmy Smith shows up. If that doesn't grab you after two or three episodes, you're not going to like the show. Um, I think some people are revisiting it a bit. It is fun seeing even Star Trek actors like Denise Crosby here as a short lived (laughs) replacement lieutenant, you know, Tasha Yar. But then, Mm -hmm. I mean, I found it even funnier how I knew Robert Lasardo, who I actually met at a convention years ago. I knew he was on the show, but I had no idea he was in, you know, being prosecuted by future, you know, CSI Miami co-star, you know, Caruso. So it's just so wild. It's like the guy you're prosecuting for two episodes in an interrogation room who's a gangbanger uh, is also the guy who kills your wife in CSI Miami. So, yeah, uh, it's wild how I've even encountered other people who've had like some loose connection to it. It, it. Like I knew a guy who, was an outspoken extra who actually pissed off Dennis friends years ago. And friends was like, get this guy out of here. He's talking to me at the hot dog stand. He doesn't know the <laughs> essence of being an extra. And so I think this is it. I think everyone's known about it in some capacity. And like I say, it's just like people want to, fortunately the good wins over time instead of the bad. I think people want an edgy show. They want to see what their parents were probably watching and they, they can forgive just any outdatedness. I so yeah, I'm I'm really happy with what Paramount and Hulu are doing. In addition to, you know, what's the newest thing you saw on Netflix or Apple? You know, it's there's something for everybody now, as opposed to you know, let's watch a shitty horror movie on Shutter or let's uh, go to the bottom of the barrel bin of you know what would have been a VHS rip on Amazon Prime. It's like there's just now the market just is changing up a little better to where it's a little more agreeable as well. It's like okay, here's a cool show that you can watch, and this is the best quality it's going to get. 
and it's not all perfect. You definitely, if you're doing Hulu, you want to go ad free because I'm telling you, yeah, ads will drive you crazy. Yeah. That it's not bad because the ads are bad. I mean, they most certainly are, but it's it's also just that they keep replaying it. So I I think I went as far back as like 2018. Like I got to the end of the year, I just got a great new job which I'm still working in, and. It got to where it's like, okay, if I have to see Kim Kardashian tell Alex Rodriguez and J-Lo about DirecTV one more time, I'm going to punch someone. <laughs> and so it got it got to that point where I was just like, nope, nope, and no. And I'm watching Stargate. I'm watching this. I'm watching all these other great shows. I, commercials are going to have to go for $3 more. <laughs> it's worth it. And I'd like yeah. to say, I mean, there are a lot of people who will do the whole, uh, you know, it, what, what, what were the top five episodes I should watch? What are the best of this or that? And it's just like, you, you can't sum this up in just two episodes. Just watch the whole damn thing. And it, it's the same thing too, where everyone want, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you have been encouraged to kind of rewatch a movie when you look at it on Wikipedia and saying, I might like it this go around, you know, it's, but then mm-hmm. there are other times where, yeah, like you say, I'm like, what is the point of you asking that? Are you going to watch this or not? Otherwise this is as much as you're getting. I leave it to you on whether you want to push the button or not. Don't get mad at me and say, oh, you wasted my time because you recommended this. Yes, because I liked it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sorry, I, you didn't like it. I feel sometimes, sometimes people just want you to get, like, tell them what the whole show is about from like, start oh, yeah. to finish. And then they oh, can yeah. make the, the decision instead of like finding like... And they judge like, it all in the, the same merit. It. Yeah. Like I was in film school and I would see people that are like, if it doesn't look like a Christopher Nolan movie, uh, you know, I, I, I want uh, I want nothing to do with it. I'm like, that's, that's so unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when I... Because you asked like how we pitched the show, but what I said, the most recent thing I said was NYPD Blue is a bingeable cop drama um, about detectives in New York, but mostly about the struggles and triumphs of a specific detective who is racist it's and alcoholic. It's a coming-of-age tell, yeah, <laughs> but, about imperfect people who may or may not correct their lives. Like, Matavoy doesn't correct himself, but he's kind of accepted. Like you say, Andy fixes himself, but to a point. Not 100%. And. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of views each other as a family, but not in a preachy Hallmark way, more in just like, hey, you know, I respect you. And and just, if you want to just see, again, just excellent actors before they were, you know, a big thing, like uh, Lourdes Benedicto before she was on ER in 24, you know, just does great work as Gina Martinez's girlfriend. And so there's all these other eye-catching, just dynamite actors who complement the material that's already working. And... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it'll come in stages. I'm seeing other people that are watching the shows like the Chicago shows and what have you. And so they want to see something just as gripping as that. And this is a blueprint for that. And I mean, out of all the Bochco shows, obviously LA Law is pretty outdated, but has some, is interesting, especially if you want to see pre psych Corbin Burnson, you know, still it. And uh, Hill Street Blues, I think is a little more, it's tougher to watch nowadays just because it, it really does get into the ugly and <laughs> benign personas that uh, are just toxic. So I think this one is like the best compromise. If you just want to see just all the cast and crew at their best, you know, just 
hop on in. Yeah, you know, there is something for everyone. I, 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 and again, I mean, just like you, I've had pals who are like, they don't want to watch this. They're, they just always hated David Caruso growing up, or they kind of like a Stallone kind of nature. They just associated his infamous uh, film, you know, Razzie mm-hmm. nominations with the persona, but they haven't actually seen it. It's like, okay, well, that's as good as not seeing it at all. Don't go on just what the audience says you know, weigh in. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, if you hear something is bad, you still got to see it just before you pitch in. Well, I think I'm going to hate it anyway. I'm like, you can't think that way. There's always going to be an exception to the rule. I guarantee you, there's going to be a movie that's 50% on Rotten Tomatoes that you love. And yeah, absolutely. I hate how they also do the whole, oh, after five reviews, you know, it got this rating. I'm like, yeah, that's not even speaking for anyone, even remotely. That's speaking for basically 1%. Yeah, and I, and <laughs> the reason I the reason I tell people like, give NYPD Blue a couple episodes and see how you feel. NYPD Blue and and Kyle will attest. I mean, I did the same thing. If you start watching NYPD Blue, and like you get hooked, it's very much like a binging experience where like two weeks later you're two seasons in, and you don't even know how you got there. Uh, like that's what happened. It really to my does friend. flow very naturally. <laughs> and Stargate's on yeah. Netflix now, and I'm seeing a lot of people same kind of deal. Like it just predicted streaming before it was a thing. Like it's like they knew they had yeah. to get your attention every episode. So the last thing they're going to do is bore the shit out of you or have a filler. Where <laughs> even yeah. the best shows, when they get to a filler, there's always often like a cool segment near the end where you're just like, okay, you know, that see that. There's still something for everyone there is like, I learned this plot twist that I remember later being a big factor in this, but I didn't realize this is how this and that started. And I mean, like you say, I mean, everyone has an experience in it, whether, you know, they always heard about it versus just saw clips of it, but had no real context or weren't sure they, I mean, I knew this show was something when I just saw even just the edginess or the naughty moments of it. But I also knew there, there was just something about how everyone is framed and how uh, it's all again, concise editing that just gets your attention. And it's like, so I, I could understand why it was a hit for so long. And I think it just, it was just another one. It's like you did, the fans weren't always present other than, yeah, again, just message board and a few college college level scholars who would pitch in. Uh, but I mean, even they did good work by talking about stuff that you don't necessarily catch right away. Like I would have never, I would have totally forgotten that uh, Jimmy Smith's Simone was, you know, you remember him being charismatic and badass, like he is in every role. But you forget, oh yeah, he is a French Portuguese mix. You know, he's like, you know, when he comes into the show, you're like, is he Latino? Is he Puerto Rican? Like Smith's or what? You know, <laughs> it's like okay, French Portuguese. Okay, that makes a little better sense. So yeah, he's a mixed. Uh, yeah. cop who an all-white privileged cop Andy gets along with and everyone gets along with Simone but it's also kind of like you say it's like there's just so many other things that perfectly naturally complement each other as opposed to being rough around the edges saying I ah, it was only good for this amount of time and so yeah here's hoping Asher Brothers podcast gets picked out uh, those who listen to this episode please wait uh, but yeah Definitely check out uh, NYPD Blue Balls. It's an episode for every single episode. <laughs> <Great> name. <laughs> it was Kyle. I, I will say it till the end of time. Kyle came up with the name. 
I, I think uh, <laughs> I think I think Milch would actually tip his hat to you if you know. <laughs> and I, I will be, and I will say, I, I couldn't come up with anything better, so it had to be NYPD Blue Balls. It's just too perfect. Huh? <laughs> they they come in pairs. It's what you get watching the show. Sometimes it makes sense. For sure. <laughs> and and we never really finish, right? So. <laughs> we're never gonna finish the we're show. We're never gonna, gonna finish. Never gonna finish. <laughs> it's all good. It'll be in the Hulu vault for a decade, <laughs> forever, until Disney <laughs> or Fox gets bought by someone else or. Yeah. Thank you so much for all being on here, and you're welcome back for any other show or movie you want to discuss. So, all right, yeah, thank, thank you for having us. I appreciate it. Yeah, Absolutely. no problem. It's a good time. Absolutely. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight. The new podcast cure all, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of They must be destroyed on sight as needed and let the hosts Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy. African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey, everybody. I'm Corey, and I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Greetings, friends. My name is Dean Legero, and I'm the host of the 3324 Podcast. I invite you to join me and my lifelong friend Eric Kuber to come with us as we discuss the music and movies that shaped our life. Each week, 
we'll pick an album or film that we really connect to and not only give you some great info and trivia, but also discuss, debate, and celebrate what it means to us and the journey it took us on. We also look forward to hearing from you and giving us some of your picks for us to check out and discuss. I think it'll be a really fun experience, so come along with us for the ride. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider and at 3324.buzzsprout.com. Thanks for your time, and welcome to the 3324 family. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes of gratuitous It's time to get busy With your friend Stephen Izzy at eilfm.podbean.com Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.